0: Oh, the mute was on. That was strange. Okay, let's go ahead and switch the audio to the blue snow. Testing, testing, testicles, testicles. One, two, three. Okay. Looks like it's working. Hello, everybody. Monday, December the 4th, 2023. My name is Brian Engelman. This is the unhappy hour here on the new American media because the old American media has failed you. So if you're joining this as a part of the new American media feed on YouTube or on Facebook or on X, then today's program is going to be sports related. You can bounce. If you were just checking in to see the current events in the world, if you were just looking to check out uh, the news, we're going to do that show tomorrow, Uh, should be 3 p.m. Eastern with Blake Wally. Discussing all the interesting news in current events in politics, but today we're going to talk about sports because this is the sports show. Like the program, uh, go on YouTube, search the Unhappy Hour Sports Show, and subscribe. On X, we're at the Unhappy Hour underscore. Uh, Spotify, our podcast is on Spotify. Search the Unhappy Hour Sports Show, and where else are we? One more place? Oh, I guess uh, Instagram. Instagram, search the Unhappy Hour Sports Show. So the Cleveland Browns uh, laid an egg yesterday, losing two in a row now on the West Coast trip. I don't think uh, I don't think that Kevin Stefanski as a head coach has ever won on the West Coast. That is a troubling trend. The Browns lost to the Rams of Los Angeles, nineteen to thirty-six. No, the game was a lot closer than that. It really was a one-point game. It should have been a tie game, except for. Dustin Hopkins missing an extra point. Uh, It should have been 2020 late in the game, but we'll get into that. Um, Some of the interesting news in the world. Uh, Linebacker Shaq Leonard has joined the Eagles over the Cowboys. Ex-Colts linebacker. Oh boy. The girls' family is going to be represented by Gloria Allred in the Giddy case. You've heard about that. Oh, Gloria Allred. I have no opinion on that story. Just waiting to see what happens. I mean, of course I have, a, I have an opinion on it. Hold on. Uh, my instant thought was this is bad. And then my second thought was, hold on. He's in a nightclub with this person who this means she's over 18. She's not. Was he duped? I don't know. There's going to be some he said, she said. I don't know what to make of it. It's that uh that young player on the Oklahoma City Thunder with that underage girl. But anyway, I don't have much to add on that until we get some more information. Kenny Pickett's having surgery for his high ankle sprain. You know, luckily, at least the uh, Steelers lost yesterday. I mean, don't look now. I mean, the, the Broncos are coming up. The, the 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 Texans are playing tough. Anyway, we're going to get to some of that. Looks like Jaden Daniels, Marvis, Marvin Harrison Jr., Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. have been announced as finalists for the Heisman Trophy on Monday night. Okay, you know it's tough. I I mean, when does the voting happen? Has that already happened? I guess the voting happens before the conference championship, right? That's usually how it is, I believe. I don't know. Marvin Harrison Jr. is fantastic, but is it enough to win the Heisman this year? We'll see. Did not have a stunning game against uh, that team up north. So here we go. The Cleveland Browns, 7-5 and five now. They're only 2-4 and four on the road. That's something that's going to need to change if we want to make... The playoffs. Stafford threw three touchdown passes. The Rams won three straight. The Browns have lost two straight. So let me go through some of my notes on this game here. This, of course, was Joe Flacco, his debut game for the Cleveland Browns. And uh, I got to say, he looked like an actual quarterback out there. He looked like more of a quarterback than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson played a good game against the Tennessee Titans, who I guess don't have a very good defense. Deshaun Watson played one very good half, an excellent half, with a broken shoulder to come back and lead, beat the Baltimore Ravens. That was a good half. wasn't a good game. He was not very great in the first half, but a really good second half. Was he 16-16? Touchdown. So, hang on, Where was I going for with my notes? Ah, I was going to the box score. So I wanted to see. I saw that um, Joe Flacco had completions to how many receivers? Kareem Hunt with a reception. I'm going to read off who had a reception. Kareem Hunt, Jordan Akins, David Bell, David Njoku, Cedric Tillman, Jerome Ford, Amari Cooper, Harrison Bryant, Elijah Moore. Yes, that is the nine receivers that I thought had receptions. Nine receivers. He had zip on the ball. some well I'll, I'll get to some of the breakdown. So the game started off. Joe Flacco did have a nice drive. Uh, took the browns down the field on the opening possession and it led to a Jerome Ford halfback swing, a wheel route. kind of came out and then worked his way down the sideline. for a 25-yard touchdown pass. Browns were up 7-0 right away. Um, On the ensuing possession by the Rams, Anthony Walker had a pretty dumb late hit on Williams, following up our touchdown drive, keeping it alive. Rams made their way down in field goal range. And Havris knocked it in. Browns 7, Rams 3. Flacco on a, the ensuing possession, John Johnson the 3rd almost picked off Flacco. He didn't, but he almost did. So as we talk about how good Flacco was, you know, he almost had a pick here. I I think almost picks need to be a stat for people to 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 use, to quantify a performance. Cuz almost interceptions they they tell part of the story too. Didn't get the interception, but the Rams did get the ball afterward, and that led to Taki Taki over-pursuing getting in the wrong position and letting Puka Nakua get over top, and then he beat uh, the defensive back who took it 70 yards on a touchdown pass over the middle, all the way down. I mean, a huge turn of events. Browns were up 7-3, and it's like, The longer you can maintain a lead against a team, the better it is. But, I mean, you had the momentum and you let it slip away on that 70-yard touchdown pass. Brown's been giving up some big plays on defense. In a way, Jim Schwartz is doing well. In another way, he's not doing as well as he was other parts of the year. But, once again, Denzel Ward is out. Um, Oh, who else had the bicep injury? Um, that was Rodney McLeod safety, Rodney McLeod. Yeah. McLeod's loss is more significant than a transaction involving a backup safety would indicate. So the browser down Rodney McLeod, who the, the coaches have been raving about, not to say he's the glue that's holding it together on the defense or in the bat in the defensive Secondary, but McLeod has played a big role. And when you got to drop down from McLeod to the next people, you know, there is a significant drop-off. And also Denzel Ward missed his second straight game. You know, the, the, these are these are real injuries. They they harm your team. I'm not telling you anything new by saying that injuries harm the team, but you can tell the Browns just don't have the same ability to get off the field and limit the big plays. So Rodney McLeod out. Denzel Ward out. Anyway, 70-yard play, Browns trail now, 7-10. to Joe Flacco tossed another deep pass, this time to Cedric Tillman. Now that we got rid of Donovan Peoples-Jones, traded him away. Uh, when Tillman came back, our third-round wide receiver out of Tennessee. Uh, they're starting to go to him a little bit more, which is good. I th- You draft these players, you got to play them. You don't know who you're going to have unless you give them a chance to compete. So Tillman went, went down toward the end zone, toward the end of the first quarter, and that one could have been picked off. It was a little out of reach for the Rams. Nothing came of that. Rams took over. And then Martin Emerson has a long pass interference call. Really shifting the field there into our territory. But they went the way the Rams went on that drive, took it within field goal range, and Haversick knocked it wide right. So the Browns escaped that penalty. Within three points, Browns trail seven to 10. Couldn't do much after that. And then Puka gets it again. Another great catch, getting the ball out of the Rams territory. Went from there 10. Really nice kind of twisting, spinning catch on the sideline. But when he came down, you could tell he came down wonky. Trying to figure out, was it a shoulder? Was it an elbow? Was it a wrist? But I actually knew it when I saw it. I, I said, that's a rib. And it was. That was a rib injury. He did come back in the game, but he he missed a little bit of time. So uh, what I noticed there, that drive stalled, by the way, Joe Flacco does like tossing this ball deep. Uh, I do like that to a certain degree. There was a nice deep pass to Elijah Moore, but it was underthrown. It was kind of severely underthrown. If Flacco were able to lead Elijah Moore, that would have been a touchdown. Because he had his guy beat, but he had to stop and slow down and let the defender almost overtake him while he figured out where the ball was to reposition. He had to stop and come back for it. He did. It was a nice, a nice job. Elijah Moore is not a large man, but he went up and got it in that jump ball. You know, I kind of said Joe Flacco, it seemed like he popped it up to shortstop. I mean, his his throws, I mean, they just kind of go really high up there. I don't know. I mean, Flacco looks like, I'd say he's got to be the quarterback the rest of the year. He just looks like a quarterback back there. Dorian Thompson Robinson, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I see it. Not like this. I feel like he needs a little bit more time to, to, to familiarize himself and get comfortable. Um, P.J. Walker? Uh, P.J. Walker is not the answer. And, of course, the golden boy, Deshaun Watson, you know, it, it does stink because he kind of played his best half as a Cleveland Brown against the Ravens. And he's injured for the season. It's a shame, but he's gone. I don't know. I just, I I got the feeling watching this game that the Browns, and by the way, I'm going to get to the Buckeyes real quick, and I'm going to get to college football championship. Um, I definitely want to talk about those. But you just kind of got the feeling like when the Browns couldn't punch it in for a touchdown, had to settle for three. When the Browns gave up a big pass and we lost the lead, it just kind of felt like, like we're out of gas, we're stalling, stalling out, I don't know, I just, I just watching the game, feeling the flow, the ebb and flow of the, the contest, it just seemed like we, you know, the the shelves were empty, the gas tank was empty, not completely empty, because we were, we were in this game right up until the very very end of it, right? Until the you know middle of the fourth quarter, we were right there. But I, I, you know, the injuries are starting to pile up. Miles Garrett had a pretty, pretty quiet day. I don't know how many snap. Yeah, I did say, that, right? How many snaps Miles had I mean, I'm looking here on the on the Cleveland defense. This is stunning. Miles Garrett's name isn't even on here. No solo tackles, no sacks, no tackles for loss, no quarterback hits. I mean, unless I'm reading this wrong. Khalif Halasi had five tackles, two four solos, one tackle for loss. Miles Garrett didn't even show up. I wonder how hurt he is. Hmm. Okay. That's just stunning to think about. Miles and you know in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, but goodness. It did not seem like we were getting much pressure at all. I mean, we got in there to kind of disrupt some plays, but we didn't really – how many sacks did we even have on the game? Zero sacks. That that feels about right. Rams, we only gave up two, but still, those are game-changing opportunities. Anyway, so Elijah Moore made that long catch, 4.30 left in the half. It could have been a touchdown, but he popped it up. Browns were taking it deep there. And on a potential go-ahead touchdown pass to Elijah Moore with two minutes left in the first half, it was a little high on the Flacco pass. But you had Moore coming across the middle, cutting across. I mean, he, he could have had it. Someone was coming at him. He could have made the catch and got hit at the two. He could have worked his way in for a touchdown. Instead, we had to settle for Dustin Hopkins' 29th field goal on the season. And then you got a tie game 10 to 10. I'm trying to think is like that was the end of the half. Next notes I have are that the Rams had double long passes to Higby. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's what it was. You know, kind of that prevent defense sort of thing. Higby had two really long pass receptions, the the tight end. Put the Rams in field goal range. But they missed. 10 to 10 at the half. So all of that tie game Williams felt like he killed us all game. Kind of these toss passes, these, these toss sweeps, and then cutting it upfield. Let's take a look at the stats. What did he have? Yeah, had a, had a four, four yard average, nothing super special, 18 yard long. So 21 carries for 88 yards. But Pukunakua had two rushes for 34 yards and a 38, 31 yard long. Browns only collectively had 87 yards rushing on the day, 19 from Ford on nine carries. He had a, a nice run or two 10. You take that, that away, he's got a one yard average. Pierre Strong had a 13-yard long run. Almost got in the end zone, got tripped up. So he had two rushes for 20 yards. And Kareem Hunt had 12 carries for 48 yards. A lot of key third and fourth down conversions from Kareem Hunt. Yeah, you just wonder if you had your starting tackles on offense, if you had... Nick Chubb in the backfield. Nick Chubb's a home run hitter back there. So yeah, a couple of good runs, you know, that especially that one nice run from Jerome Ford. I did note that that Joe Flacco he has good pocket awareness. You know, he he, he reminds me a little bit like a like a Tom Brady. He just kind of just kind of glides and slides back there. He doesn't do much. He's not super fast. He's not going to take off and run it for the most part. But he he has a good feel of the pocket. He feels, he looks like he feels comfortable back there. Not bad for a guy you signed off the couch. Browns were able to get a field goal. Um, actually, the math doesn't add up here. Yeah, with five minutes left in the second, Puka had that big end around. Then Demarcus Robinson had his first touchdown as a Ram, first in a year. Browns were now trailing 13 to 20. Close game but we're starting to lose it there. But, you know, I felt like the Browns didn't run the ball enough. Now, maybe we didn't run it as much because we weren't, you know, 2.1 rush yards per game from Jerome Ford. That's not going to get it done. Maybe that's why, but how many times did he throw it? He threw it 44 times, was it? Passer rating of 75 for Joe Flacco. He was 23 of 44 passes. Two touchdowns and an interception. We'll get to that. So it was 13 to 20 with 12 minutes left in the game. The Browns were at the the Rams 43. Very winnable game up to this point. Uh, Took it even closer. That was where Pierre Strong had his really nice run. I would like a few more touches, a few more carries for Pierre Strong. Had a 13 yard run down to the Rams eight. Got tripped up. Looked like he was gonna go in. But then on the following play, there was a nice play action touchdown to Harrison Bryant to tie the game. Oh wait. Doggone it. It would be a tie game if Dustin Hopkins would have made his extra point. But for some reason, E2, Dustin, E2. You as well. You're gonna you're gonna flub it. I think that was the game right there. That should have been a tie game. 2020 Browns regained momentum. Momentum is one of those intangible things. You either have it or you don't. It's like the riz, right? Either you got some charisma or you don't. And we lost the riz on that missed extra point. It's just like, the the vibe in a stadium, ah, crap. We just gave up a touchdown. Oh, man, it's a tie game. Oh, we can't let this get away from us. Oh, my gosh. They missed the extra point. Ah, crap. That just energized that whole stadium that we had deflated. It just whoosh, pumped it right back up. And I think that was the game right there. Because that was the last point we scored. Missed the extra point. So with seven minutes, 41 seconds left in the game, the Browns are down by one. Should be tied. But we lost the Riz. We lost the Mo. We lost the men. We lost the Tum. How How do you shorten momentum? The Tum. Kyron Williams had a nice catch then. But the Browns did get the ball back with six left. And that was when you saw the head scratcher. We've seen this this deep chuck it up play called by Kevin Stefanski a few times now. I mean, I can respect the energy to go out and try to win the game. It's aggressive. But these chucking it up downfield type plays, it comes back to bite us in the ass. Joe Flacco had another one of these big pop-ups. A swing and a drive to deep left. Way back. Intercepted. By who? Take a guess. John Johnson the third. You know, he felt like he was slighted by Cleveland because, remember, we signed him. He didn't do much for us. Then he went back to the Rams. He was talking a little bit of trash and, on Twitter, and I responded and said something to him. Something sort of mean. Eh, not too mean. I think I just told him to shut up. I said, it's not like you did anything when you were here. But Joe Flacco, I mean, that was a one-point game, and he chucks it up. Intercepted. John Johnson. He takes it all the way back. Roughly to the Browns 20. I mean, that was a 40-yard 40 return, 45, 50 yard return. Cooper Cup then had a nice reception, first and goal on that big catch. And then Cup had the touchdown catch, making it 19 to 27. Browns got the ball back. Okay, that's an eight-point game. That's a one-possession game. It's well, you know, and a, uh, a two-point conversion, of course. Browns had the ball back on on third down, trying to make a, a a game a drive extending catch, and it got to Elijah Moore, but it hit him in the fingertips, and he couldn't bring it down. Fourth and five, Rams take over with two twenty nine left. Eight-point game with two twenty nine left. That's where the Rams took over, throwing a touchdown, uh, play action Robinson catch, and then Williams had a rushing touchdown to cap it off. Nineteen to thirty-four. Browns get the ball back, trailing by fifteen. I mean it's dire straits at this point, and then Aaron Donald gets a safety to end this mess of a game. Nineteen to thirty-six. Browns lost. Rams are six and six. They've won three straight. Browns are now seven and five. Seven and five, and we've lost two in a row. This was a seven and three team. It's slipping away, folks. It's slipping away. It is slipping away here. Let me share the screen. So I've been on a different page here. We'll double share this because I want to show you like, Kind of walk you through the rest of the league, and then I want to get to the Buckeyes and the NCAA. Sitch. The situation there. So let's go to the NFL standings. This loss hurts. This is a winnable game. Browns are still tied, but lose the tiebreaker to the Steelers. 7-5, 7-5. Let's go to the conference standings. Browns are still in sixth, but man... Look, we're tied now with the Colts and the Texans. Psh, what a blessing that the Bills are somehow 6-6. Six and six, And that the Bengals are missing their quarterback. And that the Chargers are somehow slipped to 5-7. and seven. You know, this is a very... escapable AFC. Every team has three losses. Dolphins, Ravens, Jaguars... All up top with only three losses, then the Chiefs eight and four. Who thought the Chiefs would have four losses? So behind the Dolphins, Ravens, Jaguars, Chiefs are the Steelers, Browns. Let's see what playoff picture shows. Looks like the uh, Texans have a better chance to get into the playoffs. Brown's chances have slipped to 65% ahead of the Colts and the Steelers and the Bills and the Chargers. So, I mean, we're we're right where we need to be. We're right where we need to be. I guess they're saying a 1% chance to make the Super Bowl. Less than a 1% chance to get the bye. To clinch the division, we got a 7% chance and 65% chance to make the playoffs. But that's what you're looking at in the AFC. Uh, man, eight and four would have been really good to be sitting there right up there with the Chiefs. Ahead of Pittsburgh, one game back of the Ravens. But it wasn't meant to be, man. We've we've lost two in a row now on the West Coast to the Broncos. Ugh, into the Rams. Let's go over here into the NFC. Eagles are ten and two. They lost. They just got drubbed by the 49ers yesterday yesterday Lions and Cowboys are sitting there at 9 and 3 then a big drop off big drop off six and six teams you got four of them five of them Falcons Vikings Packers Rams who are now back in it and Seahawks and then right behind there is um the other two teams in the NFC South New Orleans Saints and Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five and seven. I mean, Buccaneers are not, you know, they're right on the verge. They got a shot at the playoffs. I'm rooting for Baker. You know that. You know, that's who I'm rooting for. Anyway, I digress. But next week, next week is going to be an important one. Cleveland Browns, a couple games left in the season. How are we going to finish this? What type of team are we? The next few weeks are going to tell us. Huge game at home. Let me tell you. Let me just say. Just like uh, Coach Stefanski said against the Steelers. Get out of the Muni lot early. Get to the stadium early. Get there and get loud. That's the first place Jaguars you're playing at 1 o'clock on CBS next week. Huge game. Huge, huge, huge game. Then the Bears. You know, you hate to call any of these winnable, but the Bears is winnable. Then the Texans, that's a huge game. I mean, Jags and Texans. Jets are very winnable. Hate to call anyone winnable. Don't look past anyone, but that's very winnable. Then the Bengals on uh, January 7th. You know, that's going to be... Without their quarterback, that's a winnable game in Cincinnati. That's the rest of our season, folks. Can the Browns finish strong? We're going to find out. Make sure you're following the Unhappy Hour in all the places, the Unhappy Hour Sports Show, a support group on Facebook. Search on Spotify, the Unhappy Hour Sports Show, and subscribe to our podcast, please. YouTube, search The Unhappy Hour Sports Show and subscribe. We're on Telegram, The Unhappy Hour Sports Show. Huh, this page is not responsive. That's helpful. The world's happening. Trying to get to this next story here. All right, I'm just going to close out of this, I guess. I don't know. I'll tell you about the Buckeyes quarterback. Kyle McCord has now entered. Oh, maybe they moved the article. Kyle McCord has. En- yeah, there we go. OSU starting quarterback Kyle McCord has entered the transfer portal. Herb Street and McAfee say they're confused about it. So McCord started throughout the season for the Bucks. He's now in the portal as of Monday morning. McCord, in his third year with the Bucs, won the starting job early in the season after competing with Devin Brown, recruited by coach Ryan Day. He had waited two years behind C.J. Stroud, who's now the Houston Texans' starting quarterback. Here, let me pull up the article here. I had it pulled up. There we are. Let me hit it twice. For some reason, they make you click it twice now. There we are. Perfect. So Kyle McCord sat behind CJ Stroud for two years. Kyle was the number 31 prospect in the 2021 class. Originally for Philly, he had 3,170 yards passing, 24 touchdown passes versus six interceptions completing almost 66% of his passes. He eclipsed 300 passing yards three times, but also twice through two interceptions, including in the regular season finale, a 30-24 to 24 loss to that team up north that ultimately cost Ohio State a college football playoff spot for the second time in three years. Yeah, the, the Buckeyes have lost three in a row to that dirty team up north, those cheaters. And when you're in Columbus... Winning a bunch of games and throwing for yards, it doesn't matter. Of course, you're going to beat Purdue. Of course, you're going to beat Indiana. Of course, you're going to beat Bowling Green or Akron. Of course, you're going to you're going to play Penn State tough, and you're going to beat them. You're going to play an out-of-conference game. Hopefully, you beat them. Notre Dame this year. But it comes down to the biggest games. And the biggest of them all is that team up north. And for three years in a row, Ryan Day has not got it done. I don't know how much longer Ryan Day can be a coach if he can't win the big game. Oh, he's got a great record. Of course you're going to beat Minnesota. I, I That's not impressive. Oh, you beat Rutgers? Wow. Let's throw you a parade. You're Ohio State. Of course you're going to beat them. No disrespect. It's just, you know, we're a top 10 team. Like Those are the only teams that that, that's it. You're a top 10 team. You're a top five team. You should be a top four team. Every year, the ultimate goal is to become the number one team. Only one team can do it. Ryan Day says, as time went on, Kyle got better as the season went on. He had a little bit of those ankle injuries that he worked through. He showed toughness there. Certainly the Notre Dame game, he played really well down the stretch. So I think there was growth there for sure. And I think he's a good quarterback. I do. After every year, you evaluate everything and try to figure out what to do next. I think there was a lot of progress made this year. Now, the story coming out is that this is about Kyle McCord's dad trying to get Ryan Day to promise him that his son was going to be the quarterback next year, and he would not do that. Because if we had a better quarterback that wasn't going to throw those two interceptions against the, the, the toughest team in the biggest game of the year, well, you know, that was our weak spot for that team. It's strange that he's leaving let's see who we can get to replace him. McCord says, I'm extremely thankful for my time at Ohio State playing in the Scarlet and Gray was truly an honor and, and by the way we're in, a, we're in a brand new world right now, a brand new college football free agent period. this really is the minor leagues the co- you know the Canadian Football League, the, the the arena League. this is a pro league now. They're just going to take their talents somewhere else. A lot of free agency is going to happen. I don't know if we could get Arch Manning to come on up. Uh, Kyle McCord continues on whatever post this is, Instagram or wherever. I'm grateful for all the lifelong relationships I've made along the way here in Columbus. My teammates, my brothers, I appreciate, I'm appreciative for each and every one of you. Thank you to Coach Day, Coach Dennis, Coach Fitch, coach Fitch and the rest of the staff and support team, Buckeye Nation your passion is what makes playing in Columbus special. With that being said, I've decided to enter the transfer portal to explore other opportunities. That's weird. Unless he was told by day, hey, you know, th- this kid that we drafted, you know, this kid that we we recruited that he signed up, we're going to play him. Or you know, he's going to have an equal opportunity to, to 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 compete for that position. We can't be turning the ball over like that. You know that that was really crap in the bed. Maybe Day's kind of blaming McCord for his failures as a play caller. I don't know. So on Sunday, Ohio State was selected to play Missouri in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic on the December 29th. Oh, on December 20, on December 29th. Period. Day was non-committal about McCord's status as the team's starter when asked about it Sunday. When you come up short, the bottom line is you got to look at everything because you didn't get it done. And that's the thing that's just sobering here, Day said. At 11 and one. You come short on the last possession. It's just not good enough. So you got to look at everything and we will look at everything. Wide receiver Julian Fleming, ESPN's number one recruit in the 2020 class, also announced he would be entering the portal on Monday. That is awful. Fleming had 79 receptions for 963 yards and seven touchdowns in his career, including 26 catches this season. That's awful. Because if Ibuka... If uh, Emeka leaves, if Marvin Harrison leave, wouldn't it be nice for Julian Fleming to step up? Fleming had his most productive season in 2022 when he finished third on the team with 533 yards and six touchdowns. Fleming has one year of eligibility left. Playing in Columbus has truly been one of the greatest times of my life, and I want to take the time to thank the entire Buckeye Nation for all their support. Fleming wrote on X. The transfer window opened Monday for most college football players, and Ohio State had several other portal entries, including running back Evan Pryor, ESPN's number 128 recruit in 2021. So, Buckeyes are losing talent. Oh, yeah, Lincoln Riley says QB Caleb Williams to sit out USC's bowl game. I don't know. That guy's a weirdo. I would not draft him. You know, maybe maybe I'm far off on that but he rubs me the wrong way. So what happens now, a quarterback? And this is a developing story. We'll see. Our, our, was Day told that, hey, I got word that a, a quarterback's going to enter the, the the portal and we're going to bring him here, you know, like the Sooner star? Here, how about this? Let me just read this one to you. Is this the guy? Is it Arch Manning? I don't know. But you just get the feeling that that day told him you might want to enter the portal because you're not going to be starting here next year. Kind of like you're fired. Dylan Gabriel enters the transfer portal. Oklahoma starting quarterback Dylan, uh, I'm sorry, Dylan Gabriel entered his name in the transfer portal on Monday. He's 22 and he's going to have eligibility. Is this guy coming to Cleveland? I don't know. I'm sorry, Cleveland. I meant Columbus. Gabriel transferred to Oklahoma from UCF where he started 12 games as a true freshman. Threw for 3,600 yards, 29 titties, tutties, sorry, tutties, (laughs) TDs, and seven interceptions in that first season. Then 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, four interceptions in 2020. Had a season-ending injury in 2021. Then he went to Oklahoma, reuniting with offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby. He was sixth in total passing yards among all FBS quarterbacks. So there you have it. We will be following it to see what happens with the transfer portal. Now, let's hang on. Where's the schedule? Where's the playoffs? What do you think about what happened in the college football rankings? I say Florida State getting bumped. They were they were in the top five And they got bumped. Hang on, why can't I see this? Yeah, college football playoff. Florida State getting knocked out is atrocious. Let me just read you a little bit of this. Sunday's announcement of the selected to the college football playoffs sent shockwaves through the sport. It wasn't the four teams that were included, which got people talking. That team up north, of course, they're the number one team. Washington Huskies, they took care of business and beat Oregon. Texas Longhorns, they got their win. But Alabama? Texas? I mean... These are teams with a loss. Florida State Seminoles, undefeated, won their conference. The quote from Florida State University Athletics' Drackel Alford says, for many of us, today's decision by the committee has forever damaged the credibility of the institution that is college football playoff. I agree. You don't do that. You don't do that. You can't do that. They were 13-0 and for the third time in program history. Their star quarterback, Jordan Travis, went down, got injured. Broken leg. I, I, You know, I say it all the time. It is the worst part of sports. The injuries are the worst part of sports. But Florida State rallied. Coming from behind on the road to defeat Florida in Gainesville. With backup quarterback Tate Rotomaker, but Rotomaker then got a head injury and he wasn't even available for Saturday's ACC title game against Louisville. So third string quarterback Brock Glein, a freshman, helped the Seminoles do enough to beat the Cardinals, Louisville Cardinals, 16 to 6. They may have been undefeated, but in the eyes of the members of the College Football Playoff Committee, that wasn't enough to sway them to include the Seminoles, instead selecting Alabama. With the selection, the Crimson Tide will make its eighth appearance in the College Football Playoff, the most of any team. You know, I will just say this about that. I am old enough to remember when Cardale Jones, the third-string quarterback for the Buckeyes, came in, and led the Buckeyes to a national championship. Third string quarterback, Cardale Jones. Okay. So the counter, the rebuttal to that is, well, that's different. See, the week before, the college football playoff selection committee had a chance to see Cardale Jones, and he hung 59 points on Wisconsin, crushing them to get the Buckeyes into the, the playoffs. Okay. That's a fair point. I just getting leapfrogged this late in the year sucks. What did they what did Florida State do to lose that opportunity? I mean, they got injured. I think it's a shame. I think it's a travesty. I get what they're doing. They think that Alabama will give you know, be one of the top four teams, just the totality of their schedule. You know, but on that regard, if you're going, you know, you you got to ask yourself this question. Let me plug this in real quick. Oh, that changed the height of things now, didn't it? Let's put that back. It's a tough question because who had the better win? I guess you could say Texas had a better win. You'd say Alabama had a better win. Who had the best loss? That's the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Ohio State Buckeyes lost to the number one team in the nation by six points on the road. Nobody's loss came to the number one team in the nation. That was ours how are we different than texas well you didn't win your conference championship yeah well florida won theirs and they're undefeated so that logic doesn't make sense to me georgia georgia's number one all year they go from number one slid all the way out of the top four it's an imperfect system kind of the only way that it really makes sense will be the way it's going to be next year. There's going to be a playoff. It's not gonna be two games and then the championship. They're gonna expand it. What are there? Gonna be twelve teams next year. Here let me see NCAA rankings. Uh wait, playoff next year. Uh new year six Hang on, what's it saying? What's the college playoff system in 2024? There you go. So instead of four-team, it's going to be a 12-team playoff format for 24, 25, 25, 26. The six highest-ranked conference champions and the six highest-ranked other teams will compete in the playoffs. So yeah, that team up north has to face Alabama now. And Washington is going to play. Uh, uh, yeah, Texas. So let, let's look at the rankings. 12 teams. Let's see. Where's NCAA football rankings 2023? So here's, here's the top 12 teams. Now, I, I get this might be a little wonky because it's it's like the six champions and then the six other highest rated. Let's just go with the top 12 for the sake of argument. I mean, who had better wins? Ohio State beat number 10 Penn State. Yeah, Buckeyes are going to be playing Missouri at 10-2. and two. They're the number nine team. Here, let me show you this. Let me pull this up on the screen here. Because next year, this is what you would get. Let me see if I can do the... I actually don't know how that works. If they're going to have buys, if the top teams get a buy week. You know, I'm I'm kind of a traditionalist. Here, let me get me out of the screen. How do I full screen that? No, not like that. No, it's going to be like that. Okay. So, if you're doing 12 versus one, that would be Oklahoma, 10 and 2 record against that team up north. Then you'd have Washington at number two, playing Mississippi at 10 and 2. 12 and 1 Texas, playing 10 and 2 Penn State. Florida State at number four. I guess this is the old rankings. Florida State at number four would be playing Missouri. Alabama would be playing Oregon. Ohio State would be playing Georgia. Oh, man, look at that game. Ooh, payback for when we should have beat them except for those bad calls on the refs last year. Last year? Year before. They all blurs together. A playoff system of Oklahoma, Mississippi, Penn State, Missouri, Oregon, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Florida State, Texas, Washington, that team up north. Look, if if you're on the outside of the top twelve, you got Liberty, who doesn't really play anyone. They're thirteen and zero. That you know that that can't really. But then LSU, Arizona, Notre Dame, who we beat, Louisville, SMU, NC State, Iowa, Oregon State. These teams they're, they're just too far out. These are two lost teams, three lost teams, side conference teams. I mean, top 12 does kind of round out. Those are the 10 and two teams. I'm not necessarily saying Oklahoma, Mississippi, Penn State, Missouri really need to be there. You could probably get away with the top eight. I don't know if that's going to be the same every year, but next year, instead of fighting over four, I just, I don't see much of a difference between Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State, and Oregon. I don't see much of a difference. And really Penn State for that matter it would have been nice if they could have been included in the playoffs this year. It wasn't meant to be, you know, and, and my whole life growing up, it was, if you want it to work, you got to go undefeated. You got to win every damn game. If you want to win a national championship, you just got to go undefeated. If you can't better luck next year. But now it's like, okay, you get a little bit of slack. I, you know, there's no better loss out there than losing to the number one team by six points. We had the best loss to the best team. A couple of good wins. Notre Dame on the road, can't come from behind. Penn State, big win. But if the Buckeyes would have beat that team up north, would that team up north have slid out of the top four? It's just not much of a difference between Alabama, that team up north, Oregon, Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State. I just kind of a shame this year kind of a shame you know and and you know legacies change because of this maybe kyle mccord would have a chance to uh redeem himself and then maybe he doesn't enter the draft portal i don't know it's an interesting question so somebody's entered the draft portal is he going to play in the bowl game i didn't read anything in that article that said he's not I also didn't read anything that says he is. I saw that USC's quarterback is sitting out. So that'll be another interesting story to follow. But anyway, there you have it. That's who's gonna compete. I just think Florida State got screwed. They were in, they were in charge of their destiny. They got it done. Was it pretty? Was it dominant? Eh. I would have voted to leave Florida state in there. If it ain't broke, don't swap them. But such is the nature of debating who deserves and who doesn't deserve accolades and extra opportunities in NCAA football. The game has changed. It is absolutely changed. So, We'll see how this all shakes out. We'll come back at you with another episode of the Agree to Disagree show on Monday after the Browns hopefully defeat. Geez, I looked it up and I forget who we're playing again. Yeah, there we go. Jacksonville at home, huge game. We play well at home. We're gonna need a big game. That is a, a clutch game if we can take them down. Get to eight wins. We're seven and five right now, slipping. Lost two in a row. Let's get back in the win column. Tough game, maybe the toughest game left on our on our schedule. I mean, also the the, the Texans who we traded all those draft picks to, really allowed them to read redo their roster. Ugh, don't get me started on that trade. But yeah, I'm feeling a little deflated with the, with the with the Browns. I feel like I feel like they're out of gas. I saw some good throws from Flacco, maybe maybe we're we can get back on the right track. It would sure help to get some D- D- Denzel Ward back. I don't know how much more Miles Garrett has left in the tank either. He was non-existent. He sat out a lot of plays and he was not super effective when he was in there. Very very troubling. But you know at least we're not on the outside looking in. We're right there on the cusp. If we just keep taking care of business, we control our own destiny at this point. And, you know, when you're in December and you control your own destiny, that's a good place to be. Now, if we could have been a little bit more dominant on the year and could have been healthier with Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson and Jack Conklin and, you know, some of the of our other key players, that Denzel Ward missing games and Miles Garrett being dinged up, I mean... This team could be one of the most dominant in the AFC, but that's not where we are right now. But I've seen weirder things happen. Just punch your ticket to the playoffs and see how it plays out. Get the experience. You never know. You never know what can take a team to a title. So if we have a chance, I'm happy to talk about it. Very happy to talk about it. If you'd like to get your hands on some of these, send me a direct message. These are the Unhappy Hour Sports Show Coasters. And this is the Unhappy Hour Sports Show pins. Only 100 of these will ever be made just like that. I'll send you the details if you're interested. So that's all I have for now. I'm going to sign out for everybody here at the New American Media and the Unhappy Hour Sports Show. I appreciate you. I love you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Peace. Go Browns. Go Buckeyes. Go Cavs. I didn't even mention the Cavs. I don't know. Basketball's happening football's starting to wrap up I can then kind of pivot over to the Cavs who have also been injured and getting healthier and trying to figure out if they peaked with Donovan Mitchell can they get better we're still just a you know a game or two outside of 500 so not really lighting it up but you know we're in okay position now just it would be nice to go on a, on a good run um there's some good teams in the east so it's gonna we're gonna need a little bit better but we've been dinged up that's what sports is You got to plug and play your backups and you got to, you know, get a little bit, get a little bit lucky along the way. So, all right. Talk to you again soon. Take care. Peace.